Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We're going to be looking at a series of verses in this chapter this morning. Paul is speaking at Mars Hill. He is speaking in the city of Athens. He is addressing a group of people who have very little understanding of the Scriptures or no understanding of the Scriptures. They are Greek. They are uh, unfamiliar with the Old Testament. They would not have known many of the things that Paul will speak about. And so Paul addresses them from a universal standpoint for some truths that are for all people, that are true and fitting in any situation. He is standing at a place at Mars Hill where the philosophers would come to speak, they would share their ideas, and he is preaching and proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. I want you to begin with me in verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things, and has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations, that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like the gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, we'll hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit, certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. What do racism, abortion, slander, murder, euthanasia, justice, gossip, disabilities, human trafficking, suicide, self-defense, discrimination, aging, and death all have in common. All have to be understood by the biblical principle of the value of life. Now, a lot of people think about the value of life, and they have very strong opinions, but they don't really understand what this truth is. What is the truth of the value of life? Well, it just simply means that People are made, according to Genesis 1.29, in the image of God, and because of that, that human life is sacred and reserved, deserves respect. It's a very simple principle. Now, what we believe about all of these issues that I've mentioned, and many more, 
And what we believe about the sanctity of life or what we believe about the value of life is not based, listen to me carefully, it is not based on a political platform. As we often say, when you come here to Central, leave your politics at the door. This has nothing to do with politics. But a lot of people's ideas are shaped by the political party that they, they desire to support. Our viewpoint about this is not based on scientific ideology, that the value of that we're nothing more than simply animals. There are those who believe we're simply nothing more than just a high-level animal, and therefore all, all animal life has the same value. In fact, someone said a while back that a, a, a newborn child has no more value than a baby pig or a baby orangutan or a baby cat. No difference in the value. Their scientific ideology says there is no human value. The, the value then begins to be, well, what do they contribute to society? What, do they, what difference do they make? Some will base it on social norms, but we know that social norms are no basis of what's right and wrong. Social norms have changed. There was a time in not too distant past, decades ago, when in Nazi Germany, the value of a life was based upon your ethnicity or other traits that they said, well, you have no value and therefore you can be exterminated. It's not based on our emotions. Now listen to me carefully because sometimes all of us get caught up in this. Be careful. Let me, let me just interject a minute. I'm going to stop just a minute. Everybody's real quiet. You're listening good. So we're going to, just going to, get, we're going to get down to it this morning. Be very careful. We live in a society that is shaped by story. And a story is really good at getting you to identify with and sympathize with a character. And before you know it, it can have you, because you sympathize with that character and their situation and their, their circumstances, it can have you applauding even their sin because you've been drawn in very carefully. God used stories, Jesus used stories, but he used stories to convey truth. He drew you into the story to identify with the individuals and characters in the story, to hear and understand the truth of that story and the truth of that parable. So we have to be very careful. Our emotions can get caught up on all sides of this issue. This is not a political issue. This is not an emotional issue. This is a biblical issue, and our response is, where do we find our truth in it? It's based on what God says about it. What does God say about the value of life? And by value of life, I'm talking about more than just that for the preborn. What does the Bible say about it? I want to do this this morning. I want us to look at, see, some verses of Scripture. We're not in any way going to touch on all of them. But I want us to see the principles of what God says about the value of a person's life. This has more to do than just murder. It has more to do than just racism. Jesus takes it pretty deep. We'll see in just a moment. James takes it pretty deep. What does the Bible say? Well, I'm going to move through this pretty quickly. So if you want to write down these references and come back to them later, I'd encourage you to do that. But my point is for you to see just a touch of what the Bible has to say. For each of these verses, there are multiple verses behind this that speak about the same thing. First of all, the Bible says that God forms us in the womb. God forms life in the womb. Job 31 and verse 15, Did not he that made me in the womb also make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? Each person fashioned 
as God brings together a human being, a person. The importance of a, a, not just being human, but being... It's, it's sad that in our day we have to make that distinction and say that a human being is also a person. But there are those who try to distinguish between the two. God forms us in the womb. God not only formed us in the womb, God knew us completely when he was forming us and even before he formed us. Do you remember what he said in Psalm 139? Listen to these words. Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in your book all my members were written, when as yet there was none of them. When they were imperfect, when their continuance were not, the, the continuance, the forming of my body parts, he says, were not even complete. You already had me written down in your book. Let me pause just a minute and say this. There's a desire within us that is a natural desire for value and for meaning in our life. And one of the reasons that so many people in our society and in our world are struggling with, the, with a sense of a lack of value, and they're trying to find that value in all sorts of places, is that they haven't yet found it in the fact that they were formed and known by God before they ever existed. That's where our value is. And people are looking for, oh, I need to, I'm self-worth and self-esteem. Let me tell you, you are valuable to God because God made you. The Bible says that God cares about the taking of innocent blood. He says to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 19.10, and this is just one of dozens of verses that you could look up, innocent, that innocent blood be not shed in your land, which the Lord your God gives thee for an inheritance, and so blood be upon you. He says when the blood is ta- innocent blood is taken, he says there, that blood comes on you. Again, this is talking about throughout our entire life and the way that we treat others and the, the taking of an innocent life. He said, you've got to be very careful. You've got to be very careful, he says, about your justice system. You've got to be very careful about how you treat those who are from other tribes and those who are from other lands. You've got to value their life because they are a life created by God. And he said, God hates taking of innocent blood. In fact, that's exactly what God says in Proverbs six seventeen. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And he lists off seven things that literally make God sick, and one of those is hands that shed innocent blood. You want to know how God feels about the value of your life and the life of every person on this planet? He hates the taking of innocent blood. Philippians 2, 4 tells us that God cares about how we conduct ourselves toward others. Well, this is where it gets a little, little stickier, because there's a lot of people that say, well, I, I want to you know, murder. No, that's wrong. I'm against taking of life. That's wrong. But God takes it a step or two or three or four further. How do we treat those around us? How do we value their life? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We have a responsibility to care for others. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. This is part of valuing their life. I care for those around me. I care for those that I encounter because they are a life worthy of respect and worthy of Christ. 1 John 3.17 says, If we have the world's good and see a brother in need and we don't do anything about it, how does the love of God rest in us? 
powerful words. So what we see in this and what we understand from Scripture, what does, does life matter? Human life is sacred. It was made in the image and the likeness of God. Fallen and fallen in the fall of sin, but still in the likeness of God. Genesis 1.27. Because of this, it is wrong to kill an innocent human being. In fact, when bloodshed and violence filled the earth, do you remember what God did about it? God sent a flood to wipe the world clean because he detests the shedding of innocent blood. And then he set up human government to protect the job of government, the role of government is a God-given role to protect the rights and the liberties and the freedoms of its people. In fact, that's what he says in Romans 13. He says the government is a minister of God and it does not carry the sword in vain. The Bible takes our conduct, though, even further. Because of the image of God and the sanctity, the value of life, we, it's, it is wrong. This is how tight God makes it. Remember Jesus said, you've said, I have not, you know, thou shalt not commit murder. Let me tell you, I could stand up here this morning and I can say, I have not committed murder. Aren't y'all relieved to hear that this morning? I've not committed murder. Well, good for me. Jesus takes it further. Jesus said, I say unto you, if you have anger towards your brother without cause, you have committed murder. Listen to what James says in James chapter 3 and verse 9. He says, speaking of the tongue, you remember that great chapter, James 3, where he gets on the, deals with the tongue and the world, it's a world of iniquity. Therewith, he says, bless we God, even the Father. And therewith, curse we men who are made after the similitude, the likeness of God. He takes this truth of the image of God and he says, it is wrong to even curse another human being. That's pretty pretty tight line. I'm not going to ask you this morning how many of you have murdered anybody, but if I were to ask you how many of y'all have cussed somebody this week, outwardly or inwardly, I know some of you, y'all don't say them outside, but like a friend of mine used to say, he said, if somebody would write it down, I'd sign it. It's quiet in here because I, I, I know this is a, a soft, a hard subject, but I also know that it begins to convict us. Because it's easy to speak out on certain issues, but it gets hard when we begin to think about how we act toward others. In other words, human beings resemble God, and God has forbidden that we take their life. Now, why, why does it matter that it matters? Why does it matter what the Bible says? Well, it matters because it's what the Bible says and what God says, and that's where our value is. Human life and its dignity and its sanctity and its value is the underlying principle for so many areas. How we protect preborn children. How we care for those who can do nothing in return. Listen to me very carefully. This involves children. This involves the aging. It involves those that are sick. It involves those who are dying. It involves those with additional needs. It involves those who are poor. How we care for them flows from this issue. We pause a minute and say, I, there are many in our church family who are caring for family members. And that is what we do, isn't it? 
That's what family does. When you have a family member, you have a, somebody to care for, you care for them. Let me tell you that what you are doing is showing respect to God's value of life. Because here's what the world says. The world says that person is of value if they can contribute to society. The world says they are of value if they have accomplished something significant. They are of value if they are wealthy. They are of value if they can do something. They are of value for this reason. They're of, they're of value because of their ethnicity. They're of value because of their nationality. They're of value. And we put all sorts of values on people. And we say, this person is less than this person. And we value them based on those things. But God's value says that person's life is important. That person's life has value. And therefore, we're not going to discard them. We're not going to push them aside, even if we can't get anything back from them. Sometimes we'll even fall into this as Christians. We'll say things like this. Well, speaking, for example, about abortion, we'll say, well, if that child was aborted, that child may have grown up to be the scientist that, saw, that, that cured cancer. Yeah, and that child may have grown up to be the next Adolf Hitler, too. The value of that child is not based on what they may or may not have done in their life because none of our value is based on what we accomplish or what we contribute to society. Our value and every person's value is based on two primary things that are true of every person who has ever walked this planet. One, they are a, they are a soul who is created in the image of God. And two, they are a soul for whom Christ died. And that is true of every one of you. And it's true of everyone on this earth. And because of that, that is the source of value. Not what we can get back from them. Not what they're going to do for us or they're going to do for their family or they're going to do for society. The value is found in those two very simple things. Do you know what the two great works of God in this world are? Creation and redemption. Do you know what we're going to exalt God forever in heaven for? Revelation chapter 4 says we worship him because he is the creator who sits upon the throne. The work of creation. And Revelation chapter 5 speaks of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The work of redemption. And it is those two great works that we celebrate and we rejoice and we worship God in. And it is those two great works that gives human life its value and its sanctity. It's because a soul created in the image of God and a soul for whom Christ died. The work of creation and the work of redemption. And that brings value to every person, regardless of what they can do or can't do. Aren't you glad we still live in a society that will expend hundreds of thousands of dollars to save one simple life? You know, if we looked at it from a pragmatic standpoint, we would never rescue anyone. We would never give medical care. We would be very... Extremely cautious in that. We would never care for the aged and the dying because they can't contribute anything to us. They can't do for us. Those who are suffering from different needs, and we would, where would be the compassion? But it is rooted in this understanding that God created and God gives life, and in that life there is value. In other words, it defines how we react to those who can do nothing in return, how we respond to issues of death and euthanasia and a culture of death, how we engage in war and how we evaluate when it's just and unjust, how we treat, listen to me carefully, how we treat those who are different than ourselves. 
whether it is our ethnicity, whether it is social standing, our faiths, our political viewpoints, or our theological inclinations. I see a lot of people who are all about the value of life until it becomes the life of somebody that they can't stand what they stand for. And then suddenly there's no value of their life at all. Let me just say this morning that there are things in this world and there are things in our society that sometimes make my blood boil. But I cannot let my emotions control how I feel and how I look at that person. Why? Because they are a soul for whom Christ died. They are a soul created in the image of God. And I have to look past the facade. I have to look past all their actions and the things that I disagree with. And let me tell you that it is entirely possible to disagree with someone and still respect and value them as a human being, a creature of God. And somewhere along the way, we seem to have lost that. That if we disagree, I can't like you or I have to treat you with disrespect. How we treat those who are different from us. It also governs how we interact with those who are bound by addictions and sinful lifestyles. You see, this reaches every area. This truth, this is what Bible truth does, folks. This Bible truth seeps into every crack and crevice of our life every part of our life, how we care for those with needs and how we care for one another and how we treat the value of life. God says it is a value. How we approach racism, euthanasia, elder care, human trafficking, war, abortion, murder, discrimination, suicide, self-defense, and so much more. The general devaluation of life in our culture and our society is an attack on the doctrine of the image of God in which all people are created. Above all, why does it matter? It matters, listen to me carefully, because it is a gospel matter. If you don't get anything else, and I hope you get much more out of this this morning, if you don't get anything else, get this one truth. Life matters because it is a gospel matter and because God, the gospel does matter. I want you to look in the text this morning, and I want you to see five simple things that, the, that Paul says. Did you notice how many times he talked about all people, all men, everywhere? Number one, all people are created in the image of God, created by God. Verse, 23, or verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein. The fact that we are created by God makes us worthy of respect, dignity, life, and the message of the gospel. Look in verse 26. He has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. I'm not going to pass that by without pointing out that there is one blood, all nations, one blood. There is one race on this planet, and that is the human race. Anything else is just simply a work of Satan to try to cause division and create conflict. And unfortunately, we have placed value on things that God doesn't even acknowledge exists. We've said, oh, this race is better than this race. This person is better than this person. This ethnicity is better than this ethnicity. And really, all of these attempts to evaluate are nothing more than what the Pharisee did when he looked at that, that poor publican sinner at the altar and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like him. It is, a, it is trying to justify ourselves in our own sight, to give value to ourselves in our own sight. And there is no value more valuable than the value God values you at. 
And God looks at us and sees us in grace and sees us in Christ. And that is our greatest value. And we try to bring value to ourselves by looking around and saying, uh, I'm better than that person. God says, I made all of one blood. That means every one of us, no matter what we look like this morning, we are part of the same family. Not necessarily brothers and sisters in Christ unless you've been saved by the, by the gospel, but we are brothers and sisters. We are part of the same, the same race. If you don't like that, you can take that up with God. The second truth, all are created by God. All are responsible to seek after God. Look in verse 27. And that they should seek the Lord. He says, he has made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth and that they should seek the Lord. He made us to seek him. Did you catch that? God created us to seek after him. So the responsibility, even those who have never heard the gospel, Romans 1 says, they have, God is near to them. He said he's near to us, though he be not very far from every one of us, verse 27. He says in Romans chapter 1 that we can see the invisible things of God in creation. And because of how we respond to that, if we respond in, in sin and rebellion, then we bring condemnation on ourselves. But all of us are responsible to seek after God. Number three, there must be a call to repentance because all have sinned and are commanded to repent. Look in verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now he commands how many? All men, where? Everywhere, to repent. You see, it's about all. This is not a certain group of people. This is not a certain nationality. This is not a certain religion. This is all men everywhere to repent. The gospel is a universal truth, and it is the basis of our understanding of the value of God in valuing our life call to repentance because all have sinned. And we will all, number four, all will stand before the judgment. Verse 31, because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge, how much? The world. He will judge the world. Every person, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every person will stand before. Revelation tells us at the great white throne judgment, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Who? The small and the great, the rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, every nationality, every person stands before God in judgment. That's, that's what all will do. That's a great universal principle that we will... It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Let me tell you this morning that one day you will stand before God. I will stand before God. And what will be the basis? All are judged. Look in verse 31 on the basis of their response to the resurrected Savior. He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Who has he ordained? Jesus Christ. Whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. All will stand. And the one dividing factor will be, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? God created you in his image. It was marred and flawed by sin, but God has redeemed and sent redemption, provided redemption. 
The world values people based on their usefulness to society, their quality of life, the nation in which they were born, the color of their skin, their athletic achievements, the money they accumulate, the success they achieve, or what ideological camp they are in. But God values life because all are created in his image and all are a soul for whom Christ died. Simply put, life matters because the gospel matters. The message of the desire of all the nations, Haggai 2.7, is, is to be preached in every nation, Matthew 24.14, so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk 2.14, and Christ will redeem to God by his blood those, Revelation 5.9, out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. There is only one way of salvation. This means that we are all the same. We don't get into heaven because we got better than somebody else or we did something better. We get into heaven on the same basis, on the same grounds. We will all stand by grace on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's how we'll be accepted by God. That's how we enter into heaven. All come on the same ground. All come to Christ, come through the same way, through Jesus Christ, and all receive the same gift of salvation. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But grace is extended to all. For God so loved the world, we just sang about it a moment ago, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the message of the gospel, that it is for all. And when we believe that it is by grace rather than works, it's not who did this and who did this. It is Christ has done this. And because of that, I can stand before God. The value and the purpose, the life matters. So the question for us quickly this morning is this. For those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, how do we value others? How do we treat them? How do we treat those who are different from us? There is no place in the heart of a child of God for any kind of prejudice, bias, discrimination, or racism. There is no place in the the heart of the child of God for animosity and hatred toward those who believe differently than we do. There's no place for that kind of thing toward those who, uh, who hold different political views, for those who hold different theological views, for those of other faiths. They are a soul created in the image of God and a soul for whom Christ died. And they are worthy of our respect and they are worthy of value. How will we respond to those who are difficult? How many of you have a difficult person in your life? There's three honest people in the crowd this morning. The rest of y'all are liars. It's popular today to talk about difficult people and their toxicity. Let me tell you that even the most toxic, difficult person is a person that has a life of value. Love them with the love of Christ. (laughs) Maybe this morning I need to ask how many of you know that from time to time you're the difficult person? We don't want to say that, do we? How we treat those who are difficult. How we treat those who are dying. We may want to be honest, we're all dying. We're all going to get there eventually. Let me tell you, those of you who are caretakers, those of you who are giving care to family members and friends, what you are doing 
is a demonstration of the grace and the love of God. What you are doing is showing value to a life that many other people might walk away from and say, there's no purpose in this. What's the point in this? And God says their life is still, they are still here. That life has value. And you are demonstrating that grace and love of God in a powerful way. Be encouraged in what you are doing. Be encouraged that what you do communicates the love of God for that soul and that life far beyond what your words might could say. How we treat others, how we treat those who disagree with us. For those of you that maybe, have, maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that God values you so much that he sent his own son to die on the cross in your place. He cares enough about you. You may feel like nobody in this world has cared about you, but no one cares for you like Jesus. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and suffered so that you could be redeemed to God. God values your life that much. How will you respond to him? How will you respond to Jesus? Will you respond as they did in this text? There were those who scoffed and mocked. Will you mock? Will you say, oh, that's not for me. That's just one of those Baptist preacher things. That's just one of those Christian things. I've got no place for that. There were others who questioned. They doubted. They said, we'll talk more about with this with you later. But I love that last verse. Did you see it? There were some who believed. I invite you this morning to believe that Jesus died for you and that he rose again. They had trouble with the resurrection, but he said Jesus rose from the dead. God raised him from the dead because of the value of your life and because of those souls for whom he died to save those that are lost. He died to save you. The value of a life. Why does it matter that life matters? It matters because it matters to God, and you matter to God. Will you bow with me for prayer? This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you've put your faith in what you've accomplished. You see your value before God based on what you've done in this life or maybe the, the church that you're a member of or good deeds that you've done. Let me tell you, it is a good thing to be a part of a church. It is a good thing to do good deeds, but that will not bring you value before God. God loves you, and he loves you so much, and he values you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to suffer and die on the cross to pay for your sins. Jesus rose the third day. The Bible says that if we confess him as our Lord and Savior, if we repent of our sins, so maybe this morning you need to say to God, God, I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize I can't do anything to save myself, but I believe that Jesus died for me, and I want to place my faith and trust in him. I confess him as my Lord. I confess him as my Savior. The Bible says that when that takes place, you are brought into the family of God. You can do that this morning, right where you are, or you can come down to the invitation. You can speak to one of us, one of our pastors. We'll take the word of God and show you how you can be saved. Christians, let me ask you, how are you treating others? Are you treating them with value? Are you treating them with respect? Maybe you're challenged, and you are doing it, but it's difficult. It's hard. Those difficult people in your life, those people that you're caring for, those people that you're loving, maybe it's a family member or a friend, a neighbor, and you're struggling with showing the love of Christ. 
God can help you. He loves us when we were difficult. He can love through you. Maybe this morning you need to come and say, by God's grace, I want to have a biblical understanding of these truths. Whatever God may speak to you about this morning, the altar will be open for prayer. Father, I pray this morning that you'll speak to us. Use your word in a powerful way.